Bear. I'm board certified professional organizer, Kathy Burns. I'm really glad you're here. This podcast is designed for busy entrepreneurs just like you who want to take better control of your business and move forward with less stress and more success. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. The Organized Energized Podcast is produced for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at thepodcast.organizedandenergized.com. Come back often and feel free to add this podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. You can also follow me on Twitter at Organized Energy and Facebook. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get into the show. Okay, today I am here with Andrea Klunder, and I'm excited to speak with her, and you guys are going to learn a lot because she's a multifaceted businesswoman, and she teaches people the best way to podcast, so we're going to jump right into it and welcome Andrea to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Kathy. I'm really happy to be here, and I love looking out your window as we speak. (laughs) Thank you. Yes, it is sunny here in San Diego. It is 62 degrees. Sorry. (laughs) <laughs> you're, you're, what are you, 21 or something currently? Uh, I'm not sure what the temperature is today. It's been fluctuating between like 60 something and 20 something on a daily basis. So it's a little, it's a little chaotic right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm from Ohio and that's what ha- used to happen in spring. It's like, no wonder we got colds all the time. Cause you know, hot, cold, hot, cold, you know, what are we supposed to wear? I don't know. Exactly. Was it gonna be? Every day is a new day in, in Michigan and Chicago and Ohio. Anyhow, okay, on to the stuff. So talk to me a little bit, Andrea. Tell us the background story of what you used to do before what you were doing now. What what led you into this new career? So I started my entrepreneurial journey coming out of nonprofit arts administration. And I got this inkling through a very convoluted story that I needed to try to do something myself. I didn't want to continue to try to work my way, not up the corporate ladder, but up the nonprofit (laughs) ladder, so to speak. And I ventured out and I started my own yoga studio. I had been teaching yoga and meditation on the side, just as kind of like a fun thing to do that was part of my passion of what I was interested in. And I learned pretty quickly that you are very challenged to make a sustainable full-time income as an independent yoga teacher bouncing around from studio to studio, gym to gym. And so I brilliantly thought, I'll start my own studio and that's how I will be successful. But guess what? A storefront yoga studio in a competitive market like Chicago, also a very difficult business model to make successful and sustainable. And so I had that business for about five years. And at the end of five years, I had to close that business. I was out of money. I was exhausted. I was overwhelmed. I was burnt out. I could see what it would take to turn things around and possibly make it successful, but I didn't have it in me. I didn't have the resources. And I was like, I just can't do this. So I held on to the end of my commercial lease and then shut it down and promptly entered in my mid to late thirties, the first experience of depression that I had ever really truly experienced. And there I was, I was broke. I was exhausted. I was depressed. I felt like an imposter because, you know, people would say, 
oh, this is my friend Andrea and she is an entrepreneur. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I don't have a business, <laughs> you know, or people would ask me, what do you do? And I couldn't say that I was a yoga studio owner anymore. I couldn't say that I was a business owner and I, I didn't didn't know what I did or what I wanted to do. And I had friends that said, you know, you have so many skills. You could probably just start looking for a job and you tried the entrepreneur thing. It didn't work out. You know, you can you can go back to working in nonprofit. And I was like, uh, nope. <laughs> I, I don't, I understand. I appreciate what you're trying to do. I don't think that's for me. And so I just spent some time kind of sitting with that. And one thing, there was probably only one thing that was interesting to me at that time. And that was that I had been listening to a lot of podcasts. So during my yoga business, clients would ask me if I had ever considered starting a yoga podcast, because I feel like at that time in the, where were we, like around 2010, 2011, like not a ton of people were into podcasts yet at that point. It was still kind of this like fringe thing. The first client who ever asked me if I would start a yoga podcast, I didn't even know what a podcast was at that point. And so I had clients and friends who were giving me podcasts to listen to. And I had started listening to not only yoga and meditation podcasts, but entrepreneurial podcasts, lifestyle podcasts, holistic living podcasts, all these different um, ones. And I kept thinking to myself that it was something that I was attracted to, but I just didn't have time when I was trying to run the other business. And I couldn't clearly see how starting a podcast fit into my business model or into my marketing strategy. Like I just couldn't see it. And so now here I was and I had all the time in the world and I thought maybe I can start a podcast. And I, I didn't still didn't know how that was going to be a business or how that was going to help me earn an income. I just needed to put one foot in front of the other. And I thought this is something small that I can probably do without a lot of startup investment because every business idea I had, I didn't have any money left. So I was like, how am I going to start a business when I have no capital? And so I thought this is something small. It's not going to take that much investment. I had a background. My bachelor's degree was in broadcast communication and media production. Yeah. Of course, that was in the 90s and technology in the 90s was much different <laughs> than it is now. And so I still had a pretty steep technology learning curve to overcome, but I at least knew the, the theory behind it. I knew how to do an interview. I knew how to uh, craft a narrative. I knew how to script an intro and an outro and all the rest of the stuff I could kind of figure it out. So I launched that very first show, which still exists today. It's called The Creative Imposter. Yay. And that came out of this feeling of feeling like a fraud and feeling like a fake and like looking at all these creative people that I knew in my life and, you know, in the world around me who were doing these amazing things. And I would look at them and I would say, why are they so confident all the time? Like, how do they know that they're going to be successful in whatever it is that they're doing? Do they ever feel like a fake? Do they ever feel like an imposter? And that was sort of how that idea of the creative imposter started because over time, spoiler alert, I found out that most of us who are highly ambitious, talented, skillful, who are trying to do something different, trying to think outside the box and create our own way, at one time or another, most of us are going to feel that way. 
or we're going to have those voices of self-doubt. And so we started having these conversations about like, how does that show up for you? What do you do when that happens? How do you keep moving forward? What are your inner and outer resources? And then from there, it became a business because people started asking me, I would like to start a podcast. Can you help me? Ah. And I was like, yeah, sure. And then I realized I could charge money for it. So <laughs> that was how that evolution happened. And there's your business. And I there's my business. A couple of things that you said in your story was uh, very interesting to me as a business owner, because I've, I've also risen from the ashes from a failed business before. And one thing that I know for a fact is that if you wouldn't have had your yoga studio, you would not have had someone saying, hey, why don't you start a podcast about yoga? Like right. you wouldn't have had someone on your shoulder there going podcast, podcast, podcast. And, and, and what I think that's interesting, didn't you have multiple people say that to you over the years, right? Is yeah, absolutely. The word podcast. And then it, you know, keeps knocking on your shoulder, podcast, podcast. And then, like, oh, maybe I should start a podcast. <laughs> I think that's it's always the power of suggestion with me. It's like, you should start a podcast. Uh, can you help me start my own podcast? Uh, I've now started my podcast and I don't want to edit it. Can you help me edit my podcast? And so it's always like one, one step after another of somebody suggests something to me. I don't know how to do that thing, but it sounds interesting. And so I say, let me figure out how to do that thing. <laughs> mm -hmm. And and that's the, that is the, the basic path of an entrepreneur. Uh, <laughs> and as, as you, you know, I rose from the ashes. I had no money to start this business as, as well. I had $49, you know, I bought some business cards, made some flyers and went out there and got it. You can start a podcast. You got whatever equipment you could scrape up at the time right and then you just kept building on it and building on it to all of a sudden ah you're the queen of imposter syndrome and you're the, <laughs> being, the, being the podcast coach and guru um i just love that and i think that all women and all you people listening out there there's always a way to get to where you're supposed to go yeah. and like you had said andrea one foot in front of the other right one foot in front of the other just take a little step see what happens and if it's the wrong step, you can always change and tack and go into another step in another direction. It doesn't really matter as long as you're moving forward. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And that like, you know, that fear of failure holds some of us back like so often where we're like, but what if I try this thing and it doesn't work? Or what if I invest this money? What if I, you know, hire a podcast coach and then I hate podcasting or whatever it is there's always like incremental steps that you can make it doesn't have to be the whole big i mean i think that was one of the many mistakes that i made with the yoga studio is i wanted everything fancy and top of the line right now i wanted all i wanted to offer all the services i wanted you know i had this big vision and i didn't yet know how to start with the small step and make that successful and then you know, build onto that and build onto that. And so with this business, I definitely started with the smallest possible thing I could do and then continued to build and scale on top of that. Yeah. Keep it simple. Keep it simple, baby. So you'd been doing your podcast for a while. How did it, what was your first client? Who was your first client as a podcast coach, so to speak? And what did it feel like whenever you landed that client? Yeah, it's a pretty funny story actually. And I've told her story many times. Um, she, I had this idea because people were asking me for podcast advice and I would just give it to them. I would just, you know, have a coffee, talk, talk on the phone, whatever it was. And so I decided to say 
on my podcast. If you've ever thought of starting your own podcast, I can help you, you know, sign up here for a free consultation. And someone who I had never met before, who was in, I'm in Chicago, she was in California in LA, and she was a lawyer and she was looking for, she wanted to get out of legal practice and get into an entrepreneurial venture. And she wanted to start a podcast. She had been listening to my show and she was, she was intrigued because I, in my corny way of communicating, I said, if you want to be my guinea pod, <laughs> like I'm just learning how to do this service. And if you want me to practice on you <laughs> and be my guinea pod, and she thought that was hilarious. <laughs> and so that corny joke is what caused her to contact me. We had the call and she was like, yes, I want to do this. I want to sign up. How much does it cost? And I didn't know. I didn't know how much it cost. I never expected anyone to say yes to this service that I had never done before. Because again, there's that imposter thing, right? No right. one's going to book a call with me. No one's going to actually like want to give me money to help them start a podcast. And I didn't expect that. And so I, you know, panicked when she said, yes, how much does it cost? How do I sign up? Because I didn't have an answer. I stayed calm. I stayed cool. And I said, I am going to email you within 24 hours with a full proposal of how it all works. And then you can let me know what questions you have from there. And then I, you know, started Googling around, like, how much do launch services cost? Like, how do I structure this? What does this work? And uh, we worked together and we got her show launched. And, you know, I probably charged way too little money, but it's fine because I was figuring it out. And then uh, that was the thing. She wanted me to teach her how to edit her podcast. We did, we started one training session online and it was maybe five, 10 minutes into the session. She said, you know what? I don't want to do this. I don't want to know how to do this. I don't want to take the time. Can I just pay you to do this for me? And again, I was like, I've never edited some, I was editing my own show, but I had never edited anyone else's before. And I was like, I know people do that, but like, I didn't think of myself as an editor. And so I was like, yeah, let me think about what that would look like. And I'll, I'll send you a proposal. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so that's what I did. And then from there I started doing, um, I started doing a lot of speaking events in my community, just small local in-person speaking events. Most of them were unpaid. And uh, I started just saying like, I offer these services. I can help you get started. I can edit your show for you. You don't have time. You're busy. It's a learning curve. Let me take care of it. And then little by little, I started to get those um, cold referrals in. And then those clients were happy and they started refer me to other clients. And now my business has totally grown through word of mouth. And now I'm working not only just with like individual entrepreneurs, but with medium-sized companies, uh, nonprofit organizations. And it all just started with putting it out there on my podcast, mm -hmm. thinking no one would say yes, having a conversation and sending a proposal and everything spiraled from there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, you had to have thought that maybe you could have some clients out there if you started to announce it. So you thought you're not going to get any, but I think you knew in the back of your mind that someone out there needed whatever it was that you had to offer. Um, For sure. Well, I mean, I knew there was a need. So, I mean, that's one of the things they say, you know, when you're starting a business is not 
not only should you be starting a business that is something that you like to do and something that you're interested in, something that you have experience with, but you also need to be solving a problem for someone, right? You also need to see a need that's out there and people were asking me for advice. So clearly there was a need. The only gap was in my confidence to be able to fulfill that need and get someone to pay me for it as opposed to free advice and a coffee. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So if you were to do it over again, what would you change? I honestly, I don't think that I would change much of anything. I think it unfolded the way that it needed to. I think the only thing is that, you know, maybe it could have happened a little faster if I had more confidence. Uh, probably I would have tried to charge more money up front. <laughs> Yeah, again, because, you know, taking the role uh, on the role of imposter, it's like, oh, I'm not really doing this. It's some it's my other ego that's doing this. And yeah, and I think we all have that as entrepreneurs. We all like you say, uh, after interviewing several people, I'm sure we all have the imposter syndrome at some point where we're learning to do what we want to know how to do really well, but we only know a little bit about how to do it. So we all we all cross that bridge at some point as entrepreneurs. We have to because we're here to grow and expand and and get better at what we do the only way you can get better at what you do is if you practice something you don't know how to do that well otherwise why do it exactly and it's always you know i always think of the first time i heard this i thought it was so corny and you know to be considered an expert you only have to know more than the person you're talking to and that qualifies you as an expert even yeah. if there are people who know more than you and I was like, uh, I don't know, but it actually is true because if you're one step ahead, you have the ability to help that person shorten their learning curve, to help that person save time and effort and money in some cases, even though they're paying you, a lot of times it'll save them money if they work with you to help guide them more quickly and more effectively than what they could have done on their own. And saving money and saving time because time is money and finds you know time's the only thing that's finite in our life and money can expand and expand so yeah I agree any if, if we just just a little bit more um, than we are the expert absolutely and everybody should claim that out there you are all an expert at something or many 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 things that yeah. you don't even realize that you are yeah absolutely, absolutely. so uh let's talk about a piece uh a bit, your best piece of advice your favorite hack for entrepreneurs who want more freedom and they want more freedom in their life they feel like oh, okay they're bottlenecked uh what what do you have as a hack or what would you, what advice would you give them yeah, it's something that I'm working on actively right now in my business, and it is SOPs. Have you talked about SOPs yet on your show? Ah, no, you know, a little bit. Let's go into it. <laughs> SOP stands for? Standard Operating Procedures. It sounds so dry and boring. It is not what I got into entrepreneurship for. <laughs> but you got to have them, folks. You got to have them. So I, I've been in business now for over five years with podcasting and I, maybe I started hearing about this a few years ago, but it just didn't really land as like something I needed to do because for a lot of that time I was by myself in my business. It was just me, or maybe I had, um, you know, one contractor working with me or something like that. Yeah. But I got to the point where I wanted to grow and expand. I was working way too much and i was turning down business because i just couldn't take on anymore and i it became clear to me that i needed a team if if 
I wanted to expand. So that's, that's the question. Like, do I want to keep this small and just my personal thing, or do I want it to be bigger? And how would that look? So I knew I needed to bring on a team and you know what? It's really hard to get somebody to help you and somebody that you can delegate to when all of the processes and procedures and all of the information is all in your head. I am such an internal in my head type of person that it took me a while. My first contractor that I was working with is my technical director, and he was doing a lot of the really heavy lifting on the technical and the audio engineering side of things and consulting on equipment and gear and stuff like that for clients. And he was like, we really need a project management system. And here's what I think we should use. And I was like, I that, that looks too complicated. Like, we're doing just fine with email. <laughs> he was like, no, we're not. We're not doing just fine with email. I don't know what the deadlines are. I don't know when you need stuff by. And I was like, but I always email you. And he's like, no. So we started there. But then even beyond having a project management system, knowing like this, these are the expectations for this client. And this is the workflow that we use with this client. This is where all of the files for this client are stored. This is how they're organized. This is how the Dropbox is organized. Yeah. Here's where every resource, every login, every password. And not only was that necessary for growing a team, which creates some freedom and flexibility because you have that support structure now and you can take on more clients and you can focus on the parts of your business that you do really well. But also it frees up a lot of that mental space of stuff that I was just holding in my brain and energetically creates the space. It also creates a little bit of a safety net because, you know, I had a few years ago, I had a major uh, health issue that made it un it made it so that I couldn't actively work on my clients work for, I want to say it was probably about a month. And I needed my team members to be able to step in and service them during that time, at least like the minimum amount of service to keep their show going. And when you have those processes all laid out, it creates that feeling of safety that like somebody can come in and support you in that time. It's sort of like your own internal disability, short-term disability insurance. Yeah. And, and not only that, but it also helps you to see where your inefficiencies might be, which can also like free up a lot of time when you see like, why are we using six different pieces of software to complete this one task when we could just combine everything together here or why do we have this many steps or you know and and you just when you when you put those processes down on digital paper (laughs) then you can start to see how you can make things more efficient what software maybe that you've been paying for every month that isn't really necessary that you could just cut out and fill in with a different process where people can support you and it it frees frees you up in so many different ways to have these standard operating procedures. Absolutely. It's boring, though. I don't like doing it. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a drudge to do it, but it does it does give you the brain dump and you're talking my language and you're talking about space and energy. You know, if you have more space within your mind, you can actually work on your business and not be in the midst of the business. I love the, the way that you said that an SOP is is an entrepreneur's, uh, you know, disability insurance, because I think it's true. You know, it allows us to actually step away and the business is still running. So that's a great piece of advice uh, for all of you to think of. And and you can't delegate until you know what you're doing so you have to really get get real with yourself is what is andrea doing every single day how do we make that a standard operating procedure and have other people do that which she should not or you know what should i not be doing in my business and once i know what i'm not supposed to be doing then i know what to delegate but unless there's a system in place we can't tell them how we can't delegate it out it's just impossible yeah, it's also helpful, I think, to have an assistant help you with that process of creating the SOPs. So the way that I'm doing it is I did hire a virtual assistant for the first time this January. And so what I do is I take a process or a procedure and I make a video of myself doing that thing. Yes. And I talk through, I'm okay, this is what I'm doing. This is why I'm doing it. I'm moving this here. This is why this is happening. I send her the, I transcribe it for her i send her the video and the transcription and then she creates like a bullet point step-by-step -step google doc for that with all the links all the passwords everything like that and what's interesting is when i then look at her google doc i see where the gaps are i see where i didn't explain something very well or i see like oh i totally didn't describe this other internal decision that I was making without saying that I was making it, you know, or whatever. And so then it, it's that reflective, like when somebody reflects back to you what you're doing, that you're able to see where you can improve. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what we use experts for. And, you know, as a VA, she's an expert at mirroring back to you what you can't see. So every single moving partner within your business is going to allow you to see what you can't see on your own, which we all need that feedback, that's for sure. And that's another reason to delegate. <laughs> you get feedback from even people that, you know, are like VAs, so to speak, and not like staff. It just gives you that perspective. So that's really good advice. So what's one thing that your business has taught you that you think everybody should learn it as, as entrepreneurs? You may have heard the saying that starting a business is the best form of personal development that you could ever hope to do <laughs> I haven't heard and you haven't i'm surprised this feels like it aligns so much with your business and your show and yeah because you cannot as an entrepreneur i feel like you cannot move forward without learning so much about yourself and so here here's what i've really learned from being in business for myself. It's two sides to the same coin. One side is you are more powerful than you think. Like you, this is like the opposite of imposter syndrome, right? You can do a lot. Yeah. You can make a lot of impact. You can affect a lot of change. You can, you know, influence a lot of people. And on the flip side of that coin, it's okay to ask for help because that's another one of my things that comes up frequently as I feel like it's my business. I should be able to figure it out. It's my business. I have to do it. it you know, and so I often feel that 
I have to be the one who solves all the problems. I have to be the one who knows how to do all the things. I should be smart enough to figure this out or solve this problem or whatever it is. And it really has taken me a lot to be able to say, I need, want, deserve, can have an assistant. And she can take on these responsibilities and roles. And though she may not do the specific task the exact same way that I would do it, the way she does it is fine. It's okay. great. I can ask for a coach and hire a coach to help me learn, see, understand, realize uh, what I can't see on my own because I'm too close to it, mm -hmm. you know? and being able to say like, yes, it is okay to ask for help. And you are also very powerful at the same time. And asking for help sort of makes you even more powerful. <laughs> yes. That yeah. is really the biggest personal development that I've learned from having my own business. I love that. Yeah. Because masters hire masters, but we're not, you're not, not masterful. How's that for a double negative? You're not, not <laughs> ask for help. Right. In fact, you're more masterful when you ask for help for things that you can't do, because we all of us, we cannot do everything. And uh, knowing that we're powerful enough, I think it takes a lot of power to say no. It takes a lot of power to ask for help. And if you have that power within you for both of those things, to know what you shouldn't be doing and say no to projects or clients or whatever that you shouldn't be serving, or to say, no, I don't know how to do that. Can you please help me? There's always someone who will give you a lift up and help you. And, you know, that's a masterful thing. And yeah, so a degree, we should, we'll have master's degrees in personal development as entrepreneurs. Basically, I, yes. I claim that. I claim that. <laughs> So tell me a time when you felt like you were stuck in busyness and you just couldn't get off the wheel of being busy. You talked a little bit about it. Um, what what did you do to get your joy back and get your mojo? Yeah, I mean, it's it's going back to that asking for help and delegating and hiring out, which is not a quick fix. That's you know, that's a process that takes time to engage in. It's in, in addition to hiring the VA and uh, you know, starting that process, creating the standard operating procedures. I also just the, at the end of February, beginning of March, I hired on three new associate editors into my business and editing Yay. is one of those things that I didn't feel like I could outsource because I felt like that was my specific skill and talent was the editing part of it mm -hmm. for so long. That's what I thought that 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 was people wanted me to edit their show and they wanted the way that I would edit it. And no one else will edit their show the way that I edit it. It's so it sounds so narcissistic when I say that that way. <laughs> but, you know, that's what I was stuck in. And what I realized is that at a certain point, there's some nuances to editing. Like if you're doing editorial choices, like if you're actually editing content for your clients, which some of my clients I do edit content for, like we make choices about what, what goes, what stays, this piece moves over here. We add voiceover narration here. We add a music tr transition here. Some of my shows are complex like that and they do require that creative editing thing that I feel like is my real expertise. But then there are other shows 
where it's just cleaning up the dialogue. It's just removing the long pauses. It's mm. just trimming a little bit here and trimming a little bit there. And there are a lot of people who are very capable of doing that. Probably people who are even better at it than I am, if I'm honest. And I realized that that level of editing wasn't, it didn't need to be me anymore. That's something that I can coach someone to do. They can do that. And then that gets me out of that feeling of I'm doing this repetitive task over and over again, which was keeping me feeling stuck and small and like I couldn't take on new clients. Whereas now where I'm growing into what my business offers is not just editing podcasts, not just launching new podcasts, but actual strategy coaching. Look, talking with the business owner or the marketing department of a larger company or organization or the community engagement department of the organization and really looking at the big picture of like, what is your mission? What is your purpose? What is the story you want to tell? How does this align with the goals of your department or the goals of your business? How are you helping your listeners? How are you reaching out and connecting with your listeners through this show? So hiring on support to do that more like repetitive task oriented work of cleaning up dialogue, editing files, that sort of thing frees me up to create an even higher level of service for my clients that another production company or podcast editor isn't going to offer because they're too busy editing to do big picture strategy type work, which is something that to me is even more fun than editing podcasts. And that's what brings the joy is when I see the, when I see that light bulb go on with the person that I'm coaching and they're like, oh, we could use this audio content to launch this whole other campaign to do this. And they start to put those pieces together. And we see like, we're not just trying to make a podcast. We're trying to fulfill the mission of that business or organization using the audio content that they're creating in the business as a, as a springboard for bigger and more impactful things. And that's what's really exciting to me. Yeah. And it's funny because we get stuck in the trap of saying, well, I'm the one that can do it best and <laughs> my clients want my way, but really your clients just want a professionally edited podcast. Yeah. It looks really sounds really great. And when you take yourself out of it, then you're able to do even more bigger, better, cooler things like the vision of the podcast and the creative part of it. As I know, editing is fun at the beginning and then it just turns into, you know, a little bit of a drive. So yeah. Yeah. So change, uh, you know, train people to do that. So that's good, good advice. Now, what's the best piece of advice that anyone's ever given you as far as uh, just in life or as an entrepreneur? Besides telling me that I don't have to do everything alone and I can ask for help because we already covered that. <laughs> um, also, this one comes with a caveat. So I've always heard this from a lot of coaches and entrepreneur, entrepreneurs, which is start before you're ready. And this goes back to that taking one small step at a time. Mm. I think, yes, I can get very in my head about things and want to, I like to research things to death. I like to examine every possible angle, every possible way of doing something. This person did it this way. This person did it this way. You could do it this way. You could, like, I love research. <laughs> <laughs> and you can research and analyze something to death and still not feel ready to do it. And so at some point you have to just 
take the leap and say yes to something. And then it's like the, t- the clock is ticking. Once you've said yes and you've signed the contract, now you have to do it. Even if you don't feel ready, even if you don't feel like you know enough, even if you don't feel like there could be a million other ways to do this thing to start before you're ready. However, I, the caveat is that I don't think that you should just willy nilly, just like go out there and say yes to everything and try everything and, you know, say that you're going to do something when you very much don't have a, a base from which to do it. So it's also like to know yourself well enough to know this is something I can bite off and this is something that I don't know how to do it now and I might not be ready now, but I know that I can mm-hmm. and I know that I can be. Uh, so it's, it's yeah, start before you're ready with the caveat of know that you have the ability to get ready <laughs> once you say yes. Right, like your guinea pig client, you know, just speak your truth and say, well, I think I can do this and I really want to do this, but I need a guinea pig person to, you know, help exactly. me show me that I really can do it. And, you know, you can be my experimental baby, so to speak. And exactly. I, yeah, yeah, that's really And she knew, she knew she was my first client. I told her, I was like, you are my first client. This yeah. is an experiment. Please give me feedback. Anything that isn't working or doesn't make sense, we will figure this out together. And that was a perfect approach, transparent approach for me to take. I think transparency at the beginning of any career is really super important. Um, because you are a newbie at something that you're starting, right? And just to be upfront and say, I'm a newbie, but I really have passion around this. I have the skill set for it. I'm going to develop as we grow. Uh, just as you're starting your business, I think transparency is huge uh, to let people know, yes. you know, where exactly you're coming from. And you'll find the clients that resonate with that. You'll find the clients that love to help you as yeah. you launch and love to help you fine tone your skills and will be great feedback loops. <laughs> sometimes exactly. more than what you don't want, or sometimes <laughs> they're saying the perfect thing. You're like, oh, you're totally right. Yeah. yeah. Great. Yeah. Great. That's really good advice. Okay, so is there anything that I should have asked you that we didn't cover during this interview that you feel is important uh, to put your message out? We're going to talk about your valuable free resource here in a jiffy. Yeah. Um, but anything that we, we've talked about a lot, covered a lot of ground. Yeah, so I think just looking at, you know, because podcasting is my expertise and I'm working with a lot of entrepreneurs, I think just looking at for someone who is kind of like me where they're like, well, I like to listen to podcasts, but I don't really know how a podcast would fit into my marketing plan or fit into my business or how would that actually, where does that work? Or maybe somebody who has started a podcast for their business already, because we had more podcasts than ever start during the pandemic. It was like a huge boom, which is very exciting. But a lot of people started because they had extra time on their hands and they were stuck at home. And now here they are and business is picking up and things are getting busy. And they're like, "Mm, I don't really know if this podcast is doing what I wanted it to do. I'm not sure if it's effective. I, I don't really know if I should keep going or what I need to do to make it more successful. Is it successful? Is it not successful? I don't know. There's a lot of that advice about there about how to start but not a lot of advice about how to really maximize your podcast and allow it to grow and provide you with what it is that you want. And so I just kind of want to highlight that some of the major ways that I have seen entrepreneurs, especially my clients, but other colleagues, et cetera, using a podcast in their business 
there's four, like there's a million different ways you could use a podcast, but there's four favorites that I have, which is using the podcast to help you focus your messaging. So a lot of the people that I work with are mission-driven entrepreneurs. We're not just having a business to make money. Like, yes, we want to make money. Yes, we want to have a sustainable lifestyle, but we have a, a mission behind our business. We have something that we want to help our clients and our followers to do. We want to upend the status quo in some area and improve people's lives and businesses. And so sometimes that mission can be so big that it's hard to describe exactly what it is that we want to do and what we're trying to communicate. So having a podcast can really help you focus your messaging. Two, it can help you claim that authority. So what you were saying is like claiming the master's degree in personal development through having a business. Yeah. Just in your niche or in your space, once you have that podcast, you've probably seen this, Kathy, since you've started your show, is then people start to look at, to you as a resource in your area of expertise. They are like, she has a podcast. Like, of course, she is the go-to person to find out this and that. Third, it can help you to expand your network because having these types of conversations, these types of uh, interviews, connections, being in Facebook groups with other entrepreneurial podcasters, it gives you that space where we can connect with people all over the world for that virtual coffee date that's actually even more valuable to have a conversation like this and it gives us a better connection yeah. than just, you know, having a coffee or being at a networking event or whatever. It gives you a whole other way of growing and expanding your network. And then the fourth thing is to build trust with your followers. So a lot of times people are thinking of their podcast as a way to get more clients or get more customers. And I think that that's, that's a, a short trip to disappointment and failure. <laughs> yeah. If you're thinking of it as being that literal, like, yes, it can help you do those things. It helped me do those things. But if you think of it more as a vehicle by which you're building this relationship with your followers, you're building this um, trust factor with them. When they're ready to work with someone like you for your services a year from now, two years from now, they already feel like they have a relationship with you because they've been listening to you week in and week out in their ears. And yeah. so your voice literally is in their brain. <laughs> you are going to be the first person they think of when they're ready to and need to hire or when someone else that they know is like, oh, I really want to hire a professional organizer. Oh, I really want to hire a podcast consultant. You're going to be top of mind because you have built that relationship in the neurons of their brain. And that is one of the most valuable things that you can use your podcast for. Mm, I love that. That is good. I'm glad we brought that. I'm glad you brought up those four <laughs> I knew there was something I was supposed to be talking to you about. Um, that leads us into the valuable free resource. So what are you going to offer the listeners here that they can download or partake upon? Yeah, for sure. So I have a special URL for your listeners specifically, which Yay. is the creativeimpostor.com forward slash organized and energized. Ooh. I was thinking about it. I should have just made it like shorter. I should have just made it organized. And then right. I was like, yeah, put the whole show <laughs> <laughs> organized and energized. And that is a free five episode secret podcast. So don't tell. No, you can tell whoever you want. You can send whoever you want to that URL. <laughs> and it is five questions you haven't asked about your podcast. 
And those five questions lead you to success through those four different channels that I mentioned. And they are questions that are applicable whether you are thinking of starting a podcast, you definitely are starting one and you're just at the beginning, or you've already been podcasting and you're looking for what's next. Perfect. That's really good. And and for those of you even who are thinking about starting a podcast, I'm sure that that, that cheat sheet's going to be good as well because it's going to really fine tune you into possibly what you should be speaking about and what your podcast should be uh, based on what you're trying to do. So I yeah, think there are questions that'll really get you thinking about how to focus in on what it is that you're trying to do and how you're going to do that. Yeah. Love it. Okay. Well, you've been very generous with your time, Andrea, as usual. And I really appreciate talking to you. And uh, this has been a good, a good resource for all those of you who are thinking about starting a podcast, go ahead and hit up Andrea, download the first off, go to the link. There is a link uh, that you can actually download if you didn't get the actual link verbally. Uh, in the podcast, you can go ahead and download that resource. And meanwhile, have a fabulous day. And thanks again, Andrea, for your time. Thank you so much, Kathy. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you want to hear more, feel free to subscribe on the platform of your choice. Also, if you feel so inclined, I would truly appreciate a good rating from you to me. Have a stellar day.